Excuse, I was teaching last week about that. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness. God chose David because God was a man after David was a man after God's heart. He chose David because David loves God more than he loved the throne. But um it doesn't matter. Amen. Understand that when David was convicted of the sin of adultery with Bathsheba, what he and she did were punishable under the biblical law by death. And when he fell under conviction, he could have, he could have, knowing the Levitical law, and knowing that he rightfully could have lost his position, he could have brushed it off, he could have refrained from repentance and admitting his fault, but no, when the man of God said, you are the man, he didn't pass the buck, he didn't blame somebody else. He said, I did it. And God, he went to prayer and said, God, against you and you alone have I sinned. And he prayed, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Created me a clean heart. Renewed me a right spirit. Because I love you more than I love the kingdom. I may lose the kingdom, but I can't lose my walk with God. Amen. We've got to have that heart. That heart was in David to love God more than he loved the kingdom. Over the past, the course of the past few weeks, and tonight we'll, we'll finish out this trilogy, if you will, of all the Beatitudes. I have enjoyed studying and preparing for these, for these messages. There's just so much, um, so much meat on the bone, if you will. Over the past course of, course, of, course of the past few weeks, we learned blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain, obtain mercy. This upper progression. If you will, God, you can be seated if you like. This upper progression, if you will, in our walk with God that, that began way back in chapter or chapter five, verse number three, with getting under conviction, realizing what we are, finding a place of repentance, getting the comfort of the paraclete, of that comforter, of the Holy Ghost coming into our life, allowing the spirit of humility to overtake us, and allowing us. Uh, uh, allowing a heart to, to hunger and thirst after righteousness and, and allowing a spirit of mercy and compassion uh, that Christ-like mentality to come upon us. These are the things that we have discussed over the last two weeks. And, and as we finish with the last three Beatitudes tonight, we begin with heart purity. For Jesus said in Matthew 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse number 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure here in the, in the Greek means it's clean, it's pure, it's unstained, 
either literally or ceremonially or spiritually. It's guiltless. It's innocent. It's upright. The word that Jesus uses here for heart is the Greek word katharos, which properly means without admixture, which means it's separated. It's purged. It's, it's clean because it's unmixed without undesirable elements. Figuratively, it's spiritually clean because it's purified by God, free from contaminating or soiling influences of sin. Now, this thing knocked out on me last week. And I got a feeling this about to do it on me again because it's hard. We're just going to try this. We, we can really look at three different instances where. Uh, where purity is used in the scripture, we find it physically as being purified by fire in the book of Revelation chapter 21, verse 18 and verse 21. Or as the Bible also points out in the similitude like a vine being cleansed by pruning and, and so fitted to bear fruit. This is a physical purity. We also find in scripture a Levitical purity which in the Levitical sense, it means it's clean, so the use of which is not forbidden. It imparts no uncleanness. Matter of fact, we see an entire example of this in the book of Leviticus, which is the encyclopedia of purity for the Jews. All the things that are clean, all the things that can be used ritually in the tabernacle, all the things that can be ritually used in the service of God, there are clean and there are unclean. But then we also find that there is an ethical purity, which means that it's free from corrupt desire, free from sin and guilt. The word heart here is cardia. It means the center and the seat of spiritual life. One writer said it's the effective center of our being and the capacity of moral preference, volitional desire, and choice. Thus, the desire producer that makes us tick, i.e. our desired decisions that establish who we really are. It's the inward person that makes decisions between right and wrong. And Jesus said, blessed is the man who has a purity in their catharos, in their cardia. They have a catharos in his cardia. He's got a purity in his heart. He, active center of his being, his capacity for moral preference, his capacity for the volitional desire and choice is pure. In other words, he will choose the right thing and he will shun the wrong thing. The word cardia is used over 800 times in Scripture, but never refers to the literal physical pump that drives the blood. It never refers to the physical organ in your body. Thus, the heart is only used figuratively, both in the Old Testament and in the New. And Jesus spoke plainly about the difference in Mark chapter number, Matthew rather, chapter number 23, verse 25. He said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. They, but that blind Pharisee cleans first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like in the whited sepulchers, 
which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones, and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Simply stated, all of the outward holiness in the world will not save you. You've got to be washed whiter than snow on the inside. It doesn't matter how long your skirt is, how long your hair is. It doesn't matter if you don't have tattoos, if you do have tattoos. If you smoke cigarettes, if you don't, if you get drunk, if you don't. It doesn't matter how holy you are on the outside, if you're not holy on the inside. You can be a white sepulcher on the outside. You can walk around like an Amish, you can drive a buggy, like, like the Midnight. You can be all those things and have all the outward holiness, but if there's not any inward purity, you're not right with God. Amen. It's a matter of the heart. Now I believe in holiness. The Bible said without holiness you shall not see the Lord. Be ye holy for I am holy, saith the Lord. He said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. I believe in separation. I believe men ought to dress like men and women ought to dress like women. I believe in uncut hair. I believe in a separated lifestyle. I believe you need to watch what you watch on TV. I believe you need to watch what you listen to on the radio. I believe in separation and holiness. But you can have all of those things, but if on the inside you're not pure, then it makes no difference. Scholars estimate that Moses received the law from God around the 1446 B.C. And most scholars agree that Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount around 27 A.D. Thus Israel had over or had nearly 1,500 years of a law which gave them outward holiness, and but they had inward rot. 1,500 years where they had all of the law that told them how to be holy on the outside, but inside they were like white sepulchers. They had dead men's bones. They never could get it right. You can have all the outward holiness you want, but if you don't get some inward spirit-filled life, if you don't get an inward holiness, a holiness which comes from desiring the things of God, from seeking and searching for the mind of God, you've got to have an inward purity. Your mind's got to be pure. Your heart's got to be pure. Your thoughts have got to be pure. Your heart's got to be after the things of God. Therefore, Ezekiel chapter 36, 22 says, Therefore say I unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen, and gather out you out of all countries, and will bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments, and do them. God said, you had the law, and you made mockery, you made a show of it, you, 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 you profane my law, so I'm going to come, and 
And I'm not just going to give you a law written on tables of stone, but I'm going to write my law on your heart, and I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And that way you will walk in my I need to tell you, you've got to be full of the Holy Ghost. You've got to be full of the Spirit of God, singing the heart of God, singing the mind of God. That's the only way that you'll have a pure heart. Jesus came to clean our hearts. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an all evil consciousness, conscience in our bodies washed with pure water. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly flesh of lust, we shall live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself and become your people, tell us of good works. Why do we want to have a pure heart? Why do we want to be living right? Why do we want our minds pure? Why do we want to be purged of all iniquity? Because the Bible said we're looking for a blessed hope. We're looking for a blessed hope. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I know if I keep myself pure, if I keep myself unspotted from this world, then one of these days I'm not going to see him in a glass darkly, but I'll see him face to face. Why do I live holy? Because without holiness no man shall see the Lord. Why do I keep myself unspotted? Because I've got a promise that if I keep myself unspotted, one of these days the trumpet's going to sound. And those are the believers, those that are in the faith, those that are leaving themselves ready, are going to hear the trumpet sound and they're going to meet Jesus. Nevertheless, 2 Peter 3.13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligently that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Let me preach to somebody. Get your spots under the blood. Get your sins under the blood. Come unto him. Come to him. Come to the altar. Get all of your sin under the blood. If you sin, the Bible says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, for righteousness. If any man sin, if you'll confess it, First John says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And Peter said, we want to be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And if you be found there one of these days, you're going to see God face to face. Psalmist David in 24 3 said, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? But who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. First John 3 1 Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. 
that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. I'm going to tell you, if you want to meet Jesus, you got to be pure in heart. If you want to meet Jesus, if you want to be in the marriage supper of the Lamb, if you don't want to be left behind, you've got to have a pure heart. Get your heart right. Get your mind right. Get your sins under the blood. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Christ brings an influence into our life as we grow and learn to be more like Him. As I mentioned last week, His characteristics and the things that He did will come into our lives and we will begin to act like Him, and walk like Him, and talk like Him, live like Him, and do the things that He did. In Matthew 5 9, 5 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. I wrote down a note paraphrasing or maybe my own personal assessment, my own personal commentary. A man that truly desires to be a child of God will earnestly seek to make peace even with his enemies. The word peacemaker in the Greek, Greek here, it means loving peace. Pacific. Romans 14 and 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable of God, to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. The object of this verse here that Paul is writing is to persuade the church at Rome that they need to lay aside their causes of contention and live in harmony. One commentary says, and I quote, Many wish for peace and talk loudly for it, who do not follow the things that make for peace. Meekness, humility, self-denial, and love make for peace. We cannot edify one another while quarreling and contending. Ask yourself the question, what, what was the church at Rome that Paul wrote to here? What were they fighting over? What were they quarreling about? Very simply, Paul, Paul was writing to them to tell them, some of you say it's okay to eat meat, and some of you say you've got to be vegetarians. Nothing about what color stockings you can wear. Nothing about hair up, hair down. Nothing about TV or monitor, no TV. No, nothing about anything really spiritual. Some of you eat meat. Some of you are vegans. And y'all are causing a church split. Because some of you don't want to eat 
eat cow, you won't eat vegetables. This is the problem that Paul was facing with the church in Rome in Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. And you are all quarreling about all these things. Let me, let me just tell you, there are things that are worth fighting for. There are things that I will throw down with you about. The Bible of Jude chapter 3 says that we are to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I will fight for sound doctrine. I will fight for Jesus' name baptism. I will fight for the gifts of the Spirit. I will fight for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I will fight for the anointing and the laying on of hands. I will fight. I will fight for the doctrine of the oneness of God. There are hills that are worth dying on. And Jude said we should contend for those. But when it comes to the other stuff, Paul said, why are you fighting? We are called to be peacemakers. Called to be peacemakers. I will fight against the doctrine of the Trinity. Why? Because it's a false doctrine. I will fight against false doctrine. I will stand and proclaim the whole, the whole counsel of God. I will preach oneness. I will preach Jesus' name. I will preach you got to live holy. you got to live righteous. you got to live separated. I will stand before you with as much strength as I've got to preach the whole counsel of God's word. But it's not my business to start joining any kind of group that's going to go against the government. It's not my business to start that's God's business. It's God's business to take care of me. It's not my business to start joining a bunch of rioters because the government's not doing what I want them to do. It's not my business to join a bunch of petitioners that are going to destroy property. That's not my business. Christians have no business being involved with things like right-wing militias and Black Lives Matter. We have no business being involved in any of those groups because the Bible says we're going to be peacemakers. Charlatans of our day that puts Reverend the Boy's name, Al Sarkin. He says, No justice, no peace. I'm here to tell you that's garbage from the Prince of Hell because the Bible said that if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, peace ought to be the first thing. Peace is got to be what you live by. I'm going to fight for truth, but I'm going to let God take care of everything else. Preachers that never read the Bible. Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and all these guys that get on CNN talk about no justice, no peace. We're not going to let anybody have any peace. We're not going to let you sleep at night claiming to be God, people of Scripture, claiming, claiming to be Christians. No, no, no. They missed the Bible. They missed what the commandment of God is. We're going to be peacemakers. We're going to be pacific. We're going to seek to find peace. We're going to bring peace in the world that's full of chaos. The world should be looking at the church to be the ones that will step in and be the arbiters of peace. Church ought not to be taking up arms. We ought to be falling on our knees. I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats. I really don't care. They're all of the same deal. They're all crooks. I don't care what they're a part of. I don't care who they're affiliated with. I don't care what they believe, whether they're from the South or from the North. I don't care if they call themselves Christians or not. But if you're, if you're going to the capital carrying goats, you're not a Christian. Why? Because you're not a peacemaker. The Bible said you want to make peace. 
got to be peacemakers. This isn't anything new. This thing that just hit us in 2020 and 2021. Proverbs 17 says, The beginning of strife is as one that letteth out water. Therefore, leave off contention before it be meddled with. You know, the 90 percent don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Mind your own business. Why you gotta be busybody? Why you gotta make problems? See, this is this is the new, the new international slang version, right? This is just, why are you creating something? He says, but, but leave it just before it even gets started. Why are we on Twitter? There's no envying. The 
children of God. That's how they know when you belong to God. How many times have you heard, I just, when I come around here, I just feel a peace. When I come around here, I just feel a little bit different. My troubles just don't seem. Why? Because they sense that there's some peace about you. Why? Because on the inside, when you got the Holy Ghost, what the prophet said you got was one that was called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. You got the Prince of Peace dwelling on the inside of you. You got the Prince of Peace when you go to work. You got the Prince of Peace when you're in the gas station. You got the Prince of Peace when you're standing in line. Yeah, Walmart, the God behind you is fussing at the cashier. You got the Prince of Peace when you're standing in line at the mall and everybody else is aggravated. You got the Prince of Peace and there's something different about them that the world can sense and they don't need a church. They don't need to be surrounded by more Christians and say, no justice, no peace. They need to be surrounded by some peacemakers. So people in their life that are striving and endeavoring to bring peace into their world. Peace of Jesus mentioned in here is not a life of personal peace. Because we do find peace in Christ. But it's talking about a person who creates peace through the power of Christ. Spirit-filled church should be a peaceful church. Everybody say it. A spirit-filled church should be a peaceful church. If somebody from the world walks into your home, or they walk into your cubicle, or they sit next to you in the lunchroom, or you meet them in by the way, when they walk into this church, there should be a difference that they feel in the atmosphere that feels different than the world that they walk out of. Why is that, you may ask? Because the Bible tells us in Galatians 5 and 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would do. But if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now listen. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before is also a in time past day, which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. All the works of the flesh are antithetical to a peaceable life. You can't live a peaceable life and be living in the works of the flesh. And nobody who partakes in these endeavors will see the kingdom of God. But, verse 22 says, the fruit of the Spirit. This is why a Spirit-filled church ought to be a peacemaking church. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. And long suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
be desirous of getting glory, provoking one another, and envying one another. The church isn't a place to build an ego or fight for a position. This is a soul-saving station. This isn't a place for fighting and envying and spite and worrying about what somebody drives and worrying about what somebody wears. This is a place where we all come together in one mind and in one accord to see souls that are lost get saved, to see the bound get free, to see the broken get put together again. What happens when the Christians don't create peace? Jesus in Mark 9, 50 says, Salt is good, but if the salt hath lost its saltiness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one one another. The message so often is blurred because the salt has lost its savor. It's like hot dog water. It's got the taste, but it has no substance. Y'all never boil a hot dog. Take your little spoonful of hot dog water. Tastes just like a hot dog, whatever a hot dog is. It's got the taste, but it's got no substance. It's got a form, but it's got no power. It, it, it smells the same, but it has no caloric value. It adds nothing to you. Matthew 5.13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Let me just give it to you in simple Georgia language. It's worthless. A church that is not salting its area is worthless. You might as well bar the doors, shut it down, get the money to missions. Why? Because if you don't have peace, it's a worthless and worthless endeavor. If this isn't a soul saving station, if this isn't somewhere who can walk in the door with, with heroin in their veins and them feel something different, if this isn't a place where an alcoholic can walk in and their buzz fall off, then we're going to be able to just close the door. If there's back backbiting, if there's infighting, if there's no peace, then we're worthless. What good are we to the kingdom if nobody can sense any difference? If we're just like everybody else? If we're online talking about how we're going to, how we're going to get this, and I see these idiots online and talk about raising up arms against the government. And I know Joe Biden, you know he's a little off his rocker, anyhow. But when he said the other day, well, we got nuclear bombs in F-15s, and, and I know it was a, it was a, one of his many gaps. But here's the deal: I don't care how many AR-15s you have. I believe in toting guns. I got a nice Taurus nine millimeter. I got a nice rifle. I know I'm looking to get another one. And, uh, somebody say, man, I got my lady back here with Axe and 238s. And, uh, yeah. I appreciate that. Appreciate you. You know, I, I think we got, we got second amendment keeping bare arms, right? You, if you don't believe in that, it's fine. You believe what you believe. But here's the deal I ain't going to war against my, my country. Why? Because that's not what matters. And we got a bunch of, a, 
dingbats online talking about, well, we're going to separate the country. We're going to have confederacy again. And we're going to secede from the union because of the Democrats and because of the Republicans. And we're going to split California off the country. We're all this garbage that men are involved with. And you and they go, well, we go to church on Sunday, but on Monday we get online and talk about how we're going to join this group and we're going to be involved in this thing or that thing. I'm here to tell you, church, we're going to be peacemakers. We ought to be able to have people come out from around the world feel something different. When we get online, we ought to be able to talk about God and about holiness. We ought to be able to talk about heaven. About the things that God is doing. How about joining some militia group? People spend more time in prayer and fasting than they did watching online. See what all these folks have to say about stuff. It's a world that's gone nuts. There's only one safe haven of peace. And that's the church of Jesus Christ. The world will know the church and the true people of God when the Prince of Peace is present in us and through us. We ought to salt our world. I didn't say I salt our world. I said we ought to salt our world. We ought to walk outside some of our front porch and sit here now entering the mission field. We ought to walk out there, slap our hands like they do in Notre Dame and say, we're going to play good today. We ought to slap that sign. And we say, we're going into the mission field. And I'm going to be salt and light in the world. I'm going to be a light that's not here under a bushel. I'm going to salt my world. I'm going to be bring, bring, bring peace. But the Bible said that we ought to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What does that mean? Everywhere our feet go, ought to bring some peace. We ought to bring some feeling that somebody can get saved. We can get our life changed. Those people we come in contact with don't have to keep living the life that they're living. We gotta bring peace into the world. And that's how the world will know that you're a child of God. Paul is cheap. Paul is cheap. And lastly, we reach the sun. The final beatitude. We've learned about how we are ascending into our walk with God. Not in mysticism, not in some kind of weird out there spiritual thing. But just by practically applying God's word to our life. Yeah. Loving Him, loving other people. Seeking the things of God more than the things of the earth. Being a peacemaker, being a person of repentance, being a person of a contract, spirit contract. These are very practical things that God tells us that we ought to do. And finally, we reach the summit. A place that nobody wants to go, but you understand that you either have gone or you will go. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The word persecuted is dioko, which means to put to flight, to pursue, or by implication, to persecute. To be maltreated, to suffer persecution on account of something. An article in January 2021, uh, issue of Christianity Today, the article was titled, The 50 Countries Where It's Most Dangerous to Follow Jesus in 2021. Every day it says 13 Christians worldwide are killed because Every day, 12 churches of Christian buildings are attacked. Every day, 12 Christians are unjustly arrested or imprisoned, and another five are abducted. 
The listed nations in this article contain 309 million Christians living in places with very high or extreme levels of persecution, up from 260 million in the 2020 list. Another 31 million could be added from the 24 nations that fall just outside the top 50, such as Cuba, Sri Lanka, and the United Arab Emirates. For a ratio of 1 in 8 Christians worldwide facing persecution. This includes 1 in 6 believers in Africa and 2 out of 5 in Asia. Last year, 45 nations scored high enough to register very high persecution levels on open doors, 84 question matrix. This year, for the first time in 29 years of tracking, all 50 qualified, as did four more nations that fell just outside the Open doors identified three main trends driving 2020's increase. COVID-19 acted as a catalyst for religious persecution through relief discrimination, forced conversion, and as a justification for increasing surveillance and censorship. Recently, a Canadian pastor was arrested for holding church services. A heavily armed SWAT police team arrested and dragged off a Christian pastor in the middle of a highway in a rainstorm after he held his church service because... Quote, he was inciting people to go to church. Governors in our state were sending state patrol officers, in our nation rather, sending state patrol officers to shut down church services when rioting was allowed to go unmolested. California, who just recently overturned this law, outlawed singing in church because they believed singing would spread. COVID-19. All the while, that same, that same state is paying for needles for the homeless so that they can shoot up drugs. Safely. A 71-year-old pastor of a North London church was arrested on April 23rd under the United Kingdom's Public Order Act for allegedly making, quote, homophobic comments, close quote, during a public sermon. Video shows he was dragged off of school and physically attacked and he said after he was arraigned and released, quote, I was preaching from the Holy Bible, from Genesis chapter 1, Sherwood noted, about God creating man in his image, being male and female. I was talking about the husband and wife relationship and children and the beauty of the family. And it was construed by some as being homophobic, even though I never mentioned anything about homosexuals. A Melbourne, Australian pastor was arrested for, quote, threatening to hold services in the midst of lockdowns, even though he never did. At least 50 people attended Easter service at the Maryville Baptist Church in Kentucky last year, and in response, the governor of Kentucky said Kentucky State Police Troopers would record license plates and place notices on vehicles telling Easter service attendees that they would have to self-quarantine. Extremist attacks opportunistically spread further throughout Sub-Saharan Africa from Nigeria and Cameroon to Burkina Faso, Mali, and beyond. Chinese censorship systems continue to propagate and spread to emerging surveillance and shutting down Christian churches. Christian groups have been kicked off of college 
campuses while Black Lives Matter and Marxist organizations come in to brainwash our children with critical race theory to hate America and to hate the very idea of God. A teacher in New Jersey was suspended for giving a Bible study and a football coach was placed on leave for leading a pregame prayer all while schools and libraries are sanctioning the teaching of transgenderism to kindergartners. Christian Bible colleges are having their accreditation questioned by scholars while schools like Harvard have professors that have been arrested for hidden connections with Chinese spy rings. Christian bankers are being sued. YouTubers are being censored. Pastors being arrested. And churches are being fined. Why? Because we have a difference of opinion. Because we don't tell the line. Because we won't compromise. Paul said in Hebrews chapter 10, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some now is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's why we had church. That's why we show up in the house of God. That's why Pastors are willing to go to prison because they're pastoring churches. They gotta preach the message. And we won't compromise the scripture. Why? Why do churches show up and still sing? Because Colossians says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We still believe in holiness and we won't compromise. We still believe in being in the house of God. I'm telling you, virtual just doesn't cut it. We gotta be together. We gotta come together. I'm here to tell you today, the world hates the church. The world hates us. But we're not of the world. We're of the kingdom of God. And blessing of those who are persecuted. For his name's sake. For ours is the kingdom of heaven. The world is falling apart all around us. Things are going to hell in the handbasket. We can see, I, I've said it here before and I say it again. The hand of God is being lifted up. The hedge of God is being removed off of our nation. You don't need this one. I still believe in the land of the free and the home of the brave. But right now, understand that the corner of our nation is in a 20-year drought. They don't know where they're going to get drinking water from in Nevada right now. They're talking about earthquakes. A potential earthquake that could separate California from mainland United States. We're having hurricanes and storms and blackouts and ice storms. You tell me that, now I'm not a Pat Robertson guy, but you tell me that that's not the judgment of God. The judgment of God comes upon nations for two things. For homosexuality and for abortion. And we have propagated those, those are the two things in the Bible that will always bring God's judgment. And God's hand has been lifted, and God's head is being lifted, and the church is coming under attack by the sin, sinful and the wicked of the world. Nobody wants to hear that. The hedge of God is coming off of us as a nation, but I will not compromise. Throw me in prison for preaching Jesus' name. Throw me in prison for preaching one man and one woman for one lifetime. Throw me in prison if you want to, but I will not back down on the earth. Oh, because his word is forever settled, and heaven and earth may pass away, and you can kill me in my body. You can throw me in a prison to rot, but the Bible said, don't fear him who is able to kill a body, but fear him who is able to kill a soul in hell fire. I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to stand before God one day in judgment, and I'm going to be able to say, God, I stood for truth. God, I 
you know that he hated me before he hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Beware of any church the world loves. It's about time to start calling folks out. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about being ugly. The Bible says you need to make note of them that labor among you. If you got folks that, 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 are, that are $100 million churches, and if they're going on Oprah, and they're famous with all the celebrities, let me tell you, the Bible says the world hates you. And if the world loves you, there's something wrong. If the world, I'm not talking about there's people in the world that will love you. People in the world that will, will, will look to you. I'm talking about the ways of the world. If you were of the world, the world would love his home. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will also keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. And if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. Second Timothy 3 and 12 said, Yea, and all that will with godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Being persecuted comes from the territory. But I want to encourage you. They don't hate you. They don't hate the things that you do. They, they, they don't hate you at work. They don't hate you at school. They hate the Jesus that's inside of you. And you will be persecuted for his sake. He said there's a promise. There's a heaven. That if you'll fight for me, if you'll be on my side, if you'll be in my court. Behold, Jesus in Matthew 12, 16 says, I see before the sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they'll scourge you in their synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, Take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And brothers shall deliver up brother to death, and father the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he didn't put a period there. He didn't stop there. He didn't end it there. The message didn't terminate there. But he said, but he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved at the end of the journey. If they shut us down, then we got to have seven stories in the church under a little military. And at the end of the day, they take away our five over one three sheep. And they say you can't have, be tax exempt anymore. We're still going to get to missions. We're still going to pray. We're still going to baptize people. Then we got to have church in a store crop. Then we got to baptize people in swimming pools. We're still going to be the church of Christ. Because he didn't do it to the end. It's them that would be saved. Apostle Paul was stoned for preaching the gospel of the city of Iconium. He 
was left for dead. The Bible said that those that were standing nearby stood around and stood up. All the men of Iconium thought he was dead. He stood up after all this happened. The Bible said in Acts 14, 22. He went to preach it again. Confirming the souls of the disciples. Exhorting them to continue the faith. And that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Paul knew a little bit about a little bit about persecution. He said in the Corinthians of the Jews, five times received our forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep and journeys, often in perils of waters and perils of robbers, in perils of my own country and in perils by the heathen, in perils in the cities and the wilderness and the sea and most false bread. In weariness and painfulness and watchings often in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. But he also says in 2 Corinthians 4 we are troubled on every side. And not the we are perplexed but not in despair. We're persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body, so that men can see us through. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our little flesh. So then death worketh in us the life of you. We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sake that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction which is but for a moment, working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That same article I read from you a few minutes ago, it says, I quote, the numbers of God's people who are suffering should mean that the church is dying, that Christians are keeping quiet, that they're losing their faith and are turning away from one another. But he stated, but that's not what's happening. Instead, in living color, we see the words of God recorded in the prophet Isaiah. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I'm here to tell you that the Bible in Exodus tells me that when Egypt, when they persecuted the children of Israel, the more they afflicted them, the more the people grew. And Egypt was grieved because of the children of Israel. That's why Jesus said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say, say all men are evil and so falsely. For my name's sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is the Lord in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets. Not closing. Music can come. Said they persecuted the prophets. So rejoice and be glad. Jesus is the king of 
Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, Jeremiah, the prophets of the time of Ahab were all persecuted. Isaiah, Elijah, Amos, and Micah, Hananiah, and Daniel, all Old Testament prophets, faced persecution. The apostles of the New Testament, Simon Peter, who preached Pentecost, was crucified. James the younger was beheaded by Herod. John Baptist, or John, excuse me, John, uh, John the Revelator, rather, was banished from Patmos. Andrew was crucified. Philip was martyred at Hierapolis. Bartholomew was slain to death in Armenia. Thomas preached all the way to the nation of India and was martyred there. Matthew was martyred in Ethiopia. James the younger was crucified in Egypt. Jude, who was Thaddeus, was martyred in Persia. Simon was crucified. Matthias, who replaced Judas in Acts 1. Tradition holds that he also was martyred in Ethiopia. Paul was martyred in Rome. And yet Paul in 2 Timothy 4 and 6 says, For now I am ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Polycarp was a disciple of John in the early church who lived between AD 70 and AD 155. He was a bishop of, of the church of Smyrna after the death of John, played an integral role in fitting off the Gnostics and other heretics who were attempting in the early church to rebrand Christianity after the deaths of the apostles. And during a time of great persecution, Polycarp was arrested on the charge of being a Christian, a member of a politically dangerous cult whose rapid growth needed to be stopped. In the midst of an angry mob, the Roman proconsul took pity on such a gentle 86-year-old man and urged Polycarp to proclaim Caesar his Lord. He said, Polycarp, if you'll only make this declaration and offer a small pinch of incense to Caesar's statue, you can escape torture and death. But Polycarp, that man who settled in the ministry of John, he said, 86 years have I served him. And he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king and savior? You threaten me with fire that burns for a season. Then after a little while, I'll quench. But you are ignorant of the fire of everlasting punishment that's prepared for the wicked. He even said and others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, in bonds and imprisonment, they were stoned and saw some attempted slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheep skins and goat skins, being destitute of living and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. So it proceeds on its heads. Wherefore, seeing we are compassionate not so great but our witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who will enjoy that was set before him. Endure the cross, despising the shame, and ascend down again of the throne of God.
Remember it said to him, during such contradiction of sinners against himself, hear me, lest you be weary and faint. Persecution is going to come. It will happen to us. Jesus said, in the world you have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I wish we could stand to our feet tonight. Lift up your hands in worship. If you've got a sin, you need to get rid of the blood. Get rid of the blood. But worship the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Sorry, I thought I was supposed to put a little more sin in the world. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to be able to get off of the Come on, put your hands on the seat again. 